we now bring you Enter the Freud. This is for entertainment purposes only. It is no way medical advice. Listen at your own risk. So what's up, Dave? Listen, I need to introduce you to Gerhar. Gerhar. Hey, Gerhar. Nice to meet you. I'm very happy to have you join us. I've Corin's told me a lot about you, so I'm interested to hear your story. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here. It's nice to meet you too. Sweet. But so, okay, can you just clear up for us right, right from the jump? Like, how, why did they get rid of <laughs> fighting and beating and stuff by the time you got to India? Like, oh, like, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Are we gonna have a fight here right now, dude? <laughs> Dude, what's with that fucking story, right? So, um, what, what are you saying, buddy? I think, what's what's it called? The, the concept of the, they call it a Saturn teacher. Who comes up with these? Is that like some astrology <laughs> shit? It's so stupid. I, I bet it is an astrology thing, yeah. yeah. What's, the, what's a Saturn teacher? It, it's someone who is a teacher or, or a leader or whatever, and they kind of have, they, they're, it's just part of the way that they teach includes uh, being an asshole. <laughs> so they, they, it's just, you know, they kind of have an excuse for being abusive because that's just part of being a Saturn teacher. A Saturn teacher, um, yeah. you know, What's it called? Poke, provoke, confront, elevate. That was a Yogi Bhajan saying. Um, there was this idea that, you know... Uh, isn't, that, isn't that a Carl Jung saying, Dave? Yeah, Yogi Bhajan <laughs> stole all his fucking sayings, yeah. <laughs> no, it's just so funny because, like, the, the, the convoluted abuse of psychology in this cult is so hilarious. Like, mm. for, for example... Um, Gerhard, what's it called if you protest against the teacher who may be Saturn teacher to you? Like, if, if you... I can't remember. There's a specific phrase for that? Shaktipad. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? Do you remember what that is? Yeah, you're just stuck in a, a, a state of, of defiance and it's holding mm. you back. From oh. your previous incarnations. This is, oh. this is a karmic path. Oh, you... it's tied to karmic stuff too. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, Man, why don't we think about this? <laughs> I I don't know, buddy, but this is this is definitely some shit Andrew Tate is going to need to work on in his new cult. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, he's a master. Him, well, him, he's, he and Yogi Bhajan would be buddies. Yeah, yeah, he's got maybe Andrew Tate maybe needs to learn a little from Yogi Bhajan. He needs to yeah. come up with this, a few Shaktipadhi and Saturn teacher. He needs to add a few of those things in. Hell yeah, yeah, buddy. So, so um, I guess I was I was wondering, Gerhardt, because when we were talking yesterday about just like the oddness of therapy and like how it kind of relates to this. I, this is a big transition. I don't know why I'm doing this, but like what, when you think of, um, well, first of all, have you talked to psychologists before? Yeah. I, I, I've been in therapy for maybe a year and a half now. What, what do you think about it? Uh, I think it's really useful. I, and, and I, and I regret not doing it earlier. Mm. Why? I think, I think so. I think as 
you know, this is something you and I mean, this is what started our initial conversation that led uh, to me coming on to the podcast. But I, I think uh, so when you were talking with Sopbeer and, and I've got nothing but respect for you and Sopbeer, both of you got, you know, Sopbeer grew up in the town I grew up in. Um, both both of you guys are like, you know, older brothers to me. Um, but you guys were talking about how, okay, some people go through a traumatic experience and they come out of it with PTSD or, de you know, obvious symptoms of trauma and some people are, are just fine. And, um, I, I, you know, we were texting back and forth and I was kind of pushing back against the idea that, uh, yes, some people are just fine. I think people can be really bad at uh, actually determining for themselves just how fine they are. Um, I think that was kind of true for me. And I, I think that that mindset played into the perpetuation of abuse through generations where, like before I was saying, oh, uh, you know, some kid would beat me up and be like, oh, it was so much worse back in my day. Um, there, there's a similar mindset where people are like, well, I went through all this shit and I'm fine, so what the fuck are you complaining about? Right. And, and I'm not saying that that's the sentiment, exact sentiment that you and, and Sapir were were expressing, but, but I think, <clears throat> it, I just thought it was interesting you guys were talking about how some people are just fine and might not need therapy, um, but then so much of your conversation was about all sorts of like fights and violent shit you guys have kind of, uh, or almost getting into fights, stuff that that's happened to you guys as adults too. Oh yeah. Um, and I, I think, I think, uh, so, so therapy for me has been really useful. I think it's really easy to think you're fine and not really realize that you're not, and it might be affecting people around you. Oh yeah. Um, and I don't know, I think it's typical f for guys, too, who've had a lot of the experiences that we've had uh, for, for the, I don't know, one of the effects can just be outbursts of anger. And one thing I've learned in therapy is there's usually much more, uh, much more vulnerable feelings underlying the anger that maybe need to be addressed. And that anger might not feel all that bad for you and I, but it feels like shit for the people around us. That's oh, fucking terrifying. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And, and it's, um, yeah, so it feels like shit for the people around us and it feels fine for us because we're kind of used to it. It feels better than maybe having to feel the, the underlying insecurities or anxiety underneath, underneath that anger. Um, and yeah, you, you think you're fine until you realize, oh shit, when I, when I punch a hole through the wall in an argument with my girlfriend, maybe that's, maybe that's pretty bad. Yeah, that's definitely going to get some, some less desirable fucking reaction. Yes, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't imagine anyone is like, is like, oh my god, that is like so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> 
Can we like put a it's picture? not it's not even like like cool or macho either. It makes you look like a big fucking baby when you're having outbursts. Like it's oh, like girls aren't are gonna find that unattractive. Or absolutely. Yeah. Or just be fucking terrified. It, it's it's yeah. Yeah. Well, listen. Okay. I, no, go so, for it. Hold, hold, let me just say one thing real yeah. quick. Um, this point Gerhard is making, it sort of seems it, it's important. I hope it, it seems obvious to me that it's true. I actually think it should be obvious to any reasonable, uh, critical thinking person that it's true. But it raises this tricky, it, it shows that there's some complexities in here and that we need to think in a complex way about it. Okay, so on the one hand, maybe this point that, um, me and porn and Sapir were emphasizing more is that like if I try to divide the human up into two things, uh, let's simplify here, and there's like a warrior, strong, capable survivor side of the human, and then there's a more sensitive, vulnerable, and potentially um, victim side of the human. And all humans have both of those sides. And there is truth, I think, to what we were saying in previous podcasts where it's important for people to be able to identify with the warrior, find your strength, and be able to like deal with the battles of life. Um, and that if you don't have that, you, you couldn't just like kind of capitulate and just sink into being a victim and not being able to survive and just being weak. And then worst case scenario, if you really identify with a victim, you just kind of start whining and complaining and wanting someone else to come save you. And that's not a, 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 a good place to be. But now Gurhar's adding a complexity to that, that yeah. overly identifying with just the warrior um, also has its problems. And if you get overly identified with just this warrior strong survivor thing, you can be oblivious to a lot of stuff. You can be oblivious to your own wounds and vulnerabilities. You can be oblivious to how you impact others. So it just becomes a tricky thing of it's, it, there's no simple um, answer to this, this difficulty of how to deal with difficulty, how to deal with trauma, how to deal with violence, how to deal with emotions. Uh, yeah, how to deal with emotions, right? Like, hey, Gerhard, um, you know, I, I like the point you're bringing up. It's super important. And and um, I definitely think Sotberry and I were trying to, to like, make an, ex like, create a different narrative of, like, yeah, we all been through some pretty crazy shit, almost like war. And then as a result, like, let's try to, let's try to, like, hold on to what, let's actually admit what was good about that, which is a weird thing to say. It's a super weird thing to say, but we, that is, we didn't even say that, right? So then it comes off in this kind of weird way because like, I also don't want to like walk around the world and tell everyone how many times I've had to be in therapy because my world was fucking collapsing, right? Like mm -hmm. that's not that fun and to just be like, oh yeah, yeah, like, like hey guys, let me tell you about because because I'm not new to therapy like like I, I became unraveled by the time I was like 18 like I, I started to seriously have some some very interesting experiences and actually Gerhard one of my first memories of you was when we we're in New Mexico in those two houses remember remember your parents had one and then Mooter was in another one mm -hmm. right and so I was staying with Mooter for some reason and so you must have been like four years old, and you and we met in that pathway between the houses, and you looked at me and you're like, "Why do you have cut hair?" Did I say that? 
Yeah, because I had... That's so funny. I had cut hair, and you were, and you were like... You know, you're four years old, bro. You're, you're like just this inquisitive little guy. And I said something fucked up, like... Because I was, I, was, I was super unraveled, and I was having some really gnarly shit go on with the cult at the time, right? They were trying to, they were trying to excommunicate me, and they, that same, like, two days later, they went after Mooder so hard she had to escape in the night. I, I like, Jesus. helped them pack their bags and shit. And, and so I said something to you. I don't even know what I said. And you literally you looked at me and fucking burst into tears and oh my god yeah I don't know what I said like that's a ter- that's a terrible fucking uh, I don't remember this interaction but now I kind of do remember you at that house hmm. yeah I, it's so strange because I I just remember you ran to your to your parents I think it was your mom you ran to your mom and you goes you said he hurt me and I was just like oh. Fuck. Because I, I think I was just like, I was like, hey, kid, you want to know why I have cut hair? And I was like, oh, take a look at that. And you were just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> I just basically, like, whatever it was, was, was inappropriate. And so it, <laughs> I don't even know why I said that. What? It's an, well, it's, it's an example of what uh, Gerhar was saying earlier of how there's this passing of the generations down. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You, you were saying something interesting about the, the two sides um, that we have, where we have the, the warrior survivor side and, and the more vulnerable side. Um, and we need to get in touch with the more vulnerable side, but we need to identify with the warrior side at the same time. I think particularly as men, that's really important for us. I don't know that I would place being vulnerable in that, like, I I don't know that I would make that distinction. I don't know that being vulnerable, or, or at least I think it's a common misconception that being vulnerable is weakness or will make you weaker or make, or, or could make you lose touch with, with your strength or um, I, I don't even know that being vulnerable like kind of makes you identify with the victims part of yourself either and, and I don't know I kind of want to hear your guys thoughts about that but in my experience I think being really afraid of 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 that vulnerability kept me away from therapy for a long time and now that I've been in therapy for a while and I've had, you know, I've, I've had enough experience, you know, being vulnerable and realizing, oh, I'm totally fine. I'm maybe stronger now because of it. Um, I don't know. I, I think that's a common misconception. I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I think it's a great point you're drawing here. I think it's complicated. Um, so I don't know if there's a... I don't know if anyone has this totally figured out, but let me uh, throw out my hypothesis. Yes, you're right, it's a super common misconception. I totally agree with you that the highest level of strength is strength that also integrates vulnerability. And so paradoxically, the strongest psyches have fully integrated their vulnerabilities. Okay, but now the tricky question comes is how do you get to that level? And 
I don't know, but it does seem like a fairly common progression, like a developmental progression, is that when you're an infant, you're vulnerable, and any little thing makes you cry, you know? And at some point, and it can happen to, and it's, it's more complicated than this, but let me simplify. At some point, probably around age 14 or 15, what often happens in humans is they lock their vulnerability away, and they pretend they're not vulnerable anymore. And those vulnerable parts of them, they put it away, and they identify with the warrior, and they're like, I'm a warrior now, and I'm not going to cry anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and they put that away. And then they kind of like identify with the warrior, and they try to build that up and strengthen that and strengthen that and strengthen that. And then best case scenario later, like in, in their adulthood, and not like early 20s, but like mid to late 20s, best case scenario, but oftentimes it's much later than that. And oftentimes it's never, really, for, for a lot of men, they never do this. They'll go and they'll take their vulnerable part back out of that cellar and reintegrate it. And that's the highest level. But it, I don't know, but it could be that it's a necessary stage in the developmental path to lock away your vulnerability and disidentify with it and identify with your warrior. I'm not sure if that's necessary or not, but it's so common that it makes me think maybe it is necessary. But I would, here, here's a question. I don't know where I stand on this, but I do think that not identifying with your warrior is bad and is a big problem. And I think that that's happening more and more in our kind of like enlightened, touchy-feely, toxic masculinity. I think increasingly like the warrior is being seen as a bad thing. And so we're trying to not identify with the warrior and people stay identified with the vulnerabilities, but then they start to slip into a kind of a victim thing. I, you're right. We should get rid of any kind of competitive sport because <laughs> that would, that encourages this split and, and the ideal human that we're going to produce with this enlightened thing is, is men, women, and, and all genders that will have intact... And everyone gets a first place trophy. And that's kind of the thing, is there's this new culture where everyone gets a first place trophy. And that's kind of this new culture of like, oh, we're all sensitive and in touch and everything's okay. And anyone that fights harder or beats anyone is bad. So it, it, it's, a, it's a tricky thing. I think we, I don't, I think we're in a weird cultural phase where we're trying to figure this out. Gerhard, what is he, is, is this tying into what you're saying or are we departing too far? No, no, it's it totally, or it, it's at least uh, uh, something I've been thinking about as well. Um, so th there was the point about uh, how it may be necessary to lock away the vulnerability, or at least it's very common, and that's like a common developmental stage. I think, I, d I don't know that that's necessary, but I do, I, I think a lot of times, like, the, the tough times of life necessitate that. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's necessary or not, yeah, bringing it back in and reintegrating it into your into your psyche or your personality, I think, is important. And and I totally agree that that not uh, having that strong warrior side of your personality and not trying to cultivate that aspect of your character is 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 bad for you. I think like 
with, with I, I think there's a major problem too in kind of the the culture wars or the the current state of the culture where there's a lot of talk about toxic masculinity and there isn't enough talk about okay what's the non-toxic variety what does that look like because um, you've got people on one side where it's like you know don't show any vulnerability and uh, you've got you know fucking Andrew Tate where it's just you know dominate people uh, get away with whatever you can you know don't you know just no no moral character um, and then you've got the other side where you know you're talking about participation trophies and that sort of shit. I mean, to me, to me, it just—I mean, to me, it just seems obvious. Like, yeah, people should people should have the experience of losing and dealing with those feelings and and uh, and becoming a better person from it. Um, but yeah, I don't know what what do you guys think is the non-toxic variety of masculinity? What a fucking question, man. What, like, but it's like, as you point out, this like potential, and we're going off of an assumption that isn't even an established theory, right? That, that, that parts of a, like, that vulnerability would at some point become less uh, of a front facing thing. Like you, you stop wearing it on your sleeve, right? And as, as I think you point out, Gerhard, is yes, life, life's difficulty necessitates that. And it's like, I think we're trying to create a world that doesn't have bad things in it, without war, without crime, without any, there, there are no more bad personality types. And then we would have this utopian experience where that wouldn't happen. But it's like, like, like Dave, what about Carl Jung's idea of the dark night of the soul and the return of like, isn't, do you think he was potentially making reference to this reclaiming of, as I know, I know the story, Jung's stuff goes on and on about the shadow. And then if you're a Jungian, like then you get into the white shadow and all like, what do you, am I, am I making a stretch here? Well, you're just, you brought in some super complicated things that it's going to get too complicated. So let me simplify it down just to one aspect of it, which is kind of the dark night of the soul or the um, reclaiming of the shadow fitted into what we're talking about is that if a human, we build up our psyche to cope with the world in a certain way. Um, and then at some point that creates a shadow or that creates this, these aspects of ourselves that we, we, we kind of locked away. And the dark night of the soul, if I'm, I'm really simplifying just to bring it back to our conversation, is at some point what we've built up, say it's the warrior, I'm strong, I can deal with life, it's all good, I got this, I'm strong, that eventually reaches a ceiling or reaches a wall and collapses um, because no one wants to be around you because you're an asshole or you're lonely as hell or you have so much anger pent up in you that it eventually just like like um, rips your whole armor apart and you collapse and then you fall into a dark night of soul and at that point you're faced with all these other parts of yourself that yeah. you had buried away and now you like the your soul your your larger self is going to force you to deal with those things and your whole psyche was built on not dealing with those things so you're going to have to reckon with those things but see that that's what i was saying is well it, this is what i was thinking is 
there is a reckoning. Like, as you produce this self that is either toxically masculine and or whatever, avoidant of your vulnerabilities, you can try that for as long as you want. But at some point, because that is a, a an incomplete representation of what your real self is, meaning like a, a complete human experience, you will run into this and, and there is no escape from the eventual um, coming to terms with it. You can either actually begin a process of, be, I don't want to say becoming whole, I, th I hate that term, but like you, um, looking at parts of yourself that you, that you detest and don't want to be, be involved with, or you're going to have to take a bunch of fucking drugs and do a bunch of things to, to suppress that. that. That's my own rather brutal take on it. Um, Okay, but let's get back to Gerhard's question of what's non-toxic masculinity. I think that's a good question that, honestly, I think everyone, sh we should know the answer to that question, and we should be able to raise our children knowing the answer to that question. So l let me take a stab at it. I think, um, so if we just kind of uh, define masculinity, which men and women and any all other genders can have masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. So this is not just about men, is it's like strength and um, assertiveness and ability to deal with difficulties, ability to bear pain and keep pushing through and work hard towards the goal despite barriers or despite pain or despite difficulties. That's one aspect of masculinity. And that becomes toxic when that warrior spirit starts to do what I want to do and I don't give a fuck about other people. But that that warrior spirit is the, is super valuable and totally not toxic when it's it's using its strength for a higher good that can include me but also includes the other people who are important to me so if my son is going to get attacked by someone and i go beat the shit out of that person that's me in a very healthy productive way using my masculine warrior ability but if my son um, isn't doing his homework and I don't like it and so I go beat the shit out of my son because my anger is so powerful that I can't regulate it and I can't think about what's the highest good here then that's toxic masculinity wow uh, that was pretty that was a pretty good stab at it like Gerhard do what what are your thoughts about what like what parts of you feel masculine and then feel okay um, well, I, I think I think strength of character is really important, and so that, I mean that? that can mean a lot of different things. Yeah. Um, I, you know, but I think it includes being resilient. Um, I think accountability is really important as well. You know, you are responsible for yourself. Um, so, you know, if you're having temper tantrums, it's on you to figure out a way to fix that. Um, and and it, it, like I said, th these are like pretty broad things. And like Dave mentioned, these are things that, that are important for women to have as well. I, but I think one of the things that, I, I think there's a certain way that they're incredibly important for men that when they're lacking them, they probably won't be happy and they probably won't be good for the people around them. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I, you know, 
they're they're kind some some of these qualities are kind of vague, but I think the examples like Dave pointed out the it's yeah. it's the examples that kind of bring some clarity to the idea. Um, well, Gerhard, sorry to interrupt, but like, yeah. would you say that the way that we grew up was was a, an example of true toxic masculinity, where it's like I dominate by my own physical prowess and my own ability to tap into just my own brutality. And so then that th- I, then I inflict that on everyone I can so that then I am in some way less vulnerable. Yeah, ab- like, absolutely. I, I mean, that's and that comes from insecurity. Massive. You know, that that comes from or, the, the, or the need to dominate other people, you know, You've got to have something lacking inside yourself if you need to dominate other people in that way. And I, I think there's something about a, a, a calm confidence that is essential to a non-toxic variety of masculinity. Yeah, okay, that's a good point. But this bring, I think this brings up a really tricky um, point. Let me see if I can yeah. make this. Um, okay, so imagine a kid growing up in, in the schools in the early days when it was really bad, um, and my this theory I have, and I don't know if this is true, correct me if you guys don't think it's true, is that some of you guys had resilience and survived the trauma and got out of there okay and have been able to like continue on with life fairly well. And my theory is that those people, they, they had an armor. They were able to like armor themselves to survive it. And my theory is that that armor had to do with identifying with the warrior and to some degree taking their victim vulnerability and locking it away. And that they needed to do that to have an armor to survive it. Um, and that perhaps, and again, I have no idea, but perhaps that some people, it just was too fucked up and they couldn't like find and identify and claim their warrior and they just were beaten down and they just like slid into the victim role and they didn't find that and then they would just come out much more fucked up their scars would just be deeper and they would come out so if that's true i don't know if that's true or not but if that's true there are circumstances that life can throw you that almost require you to go into um, a pretty intense warrior identification to be able to survive that. You have any thoughts, Gerhard? You know, I, I, so I think that's true, but at the same time, I don't think people come out just totally okay. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. And, and I think, I think, um, you know, I don't want it, to, so it, it's a little tricky thinking about to, to try and think about cases where some people came out okay versus not okay. Because one, that, that means I have to make a lot of assumptions about other people and what their internal state might be like. And, you know, you don't see these people all the time and it could be every five years or whatever. Um, uh, I think and I think there are examples where the opposite might be kind of true. So I, I remember, so when I was in India, there was this one year where myself and some of my friends, um, we were we were all probably about 11 or 12 years old and we were living in a room together and there was mold in uh, a few dorm rooms. 
So they had to move some older kids into our room, which, you know, horrible, horrible idea. Um, Why? And because we just got beat every day. Oh, okay. <laughs> and these kids were, these kids were sadists. They, I mean, they, you know, uh, they made us run all their errands for them. They took all our food. They, uh, any back talk we were beat for, you know, they... They, they like to fuck with us psychologically, too. Like, okay, now you guys don't have names anymore. Your name is Slave 1. Your name is Slave 2. And this shit, you know... It, it's not as bad when you can kind of run away and go back to your own room or you have some escape. But when it's 24-7, you have no escape. You wake up, um, you know, to someone punching you in the kidney all the time. Like, that, that kind of fucks with you. Kind and, of. Kind of, yeah, no, totally fucks with you. And so there was, I think, um, and, and so again, I have to be really careful here because I'm talking about other people's experiences besides my own. So I don't totally sure. know, but I, I remember having a discussion with, with some of these people, um, some of my peers who went through this with me, and we were talking about how... Um, as I got older, I had more issues with explosive anger. And when I, and the difference in how, there was a difference in how the, the, the three of us younger boys processed the shit that we were going through in that room with those older kids. Yeah. So, you know, I, some of those guys were quicker to kind of break down crying in the middle of a, a beating. And I was like, I'm never going to let them break me. And I don't think I ever really did cry while they were beating me. Although I, you know, if I, if I had a moment alone, I might. But, but so I, I stowed the vulnerable part of me away. I, I locked mm -hmm. that away. Mm -hmm. And I, I just don't know that you can completely lock it away without, without, things building up in that building up in that part of you. I, I don't yeah. know that you can completely put it away, take on this tough persona and there not be an effect. You, you like, I think you have to pay for it later. I think you build yeah, up totally. some sort of debt in that totally. vulnerable part of yourself. Yeah. But then the question is, is, is there a better alternative? Ooh, good one. Is there what? a better alternative? So, is, is there any alternative, right? Like, well, no. There's alternatives. You could just capitulate and become a scuzz or whatever you call them, porn. Yeah. But is there? But uh, Gurhar, is there a better alternative? And and there might be. I don't know. But what do you think? Um, I mean, so I, I guess that you could say, I don't know that I gained anything though by trying to be tough through the experience. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think in some ways it helped, you know, it saves you humiliation of, of, you know, of them breaking you down and then making fun of you mm -hmm. for crying and that, you know, humiliating you for that. Um, but I, I, you know, w when I look back at it, would I have been better off or worse off for breaking down crying more often while getting beaten? Yep. 
And I, I know the answer in that world is it was way worse. You would be destroyed. But it would be you would be destroyed in the moment. But no, over but later over, on, you, you're you would fall within that world, and then you would be eaten alive. You let look at. I can tell. I, let me explain. I mean, so I, I might disagree with you here because I think, I, I think, I think, I would be eaten alive by some of the older kids, but I don't know that I would have lost respect of from my peers. It's not like I would have fallen all the way down the totem pole. Hmm. So it's not like breaking down or 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 I, I, and i i have another idea for an alternative too but yep but um i don't know that breaking down in some capacity just totally knocks you all the way down the totem pole right that's a good question are are there examples you can look at gerhar like you were saying your your roommates more breakdown and can you kind of look at them and see how different one different strategies and how it worked for them so he, I, I have to be careful because now I'm talking about other people and their experience. Uh, but what I can say is I, I definitely, as I got older and I was in my older teens, had a bad explosive anger that they didn't. It was kind of like I built up this debt that I was dealing with later. Yeah. Um, and, and I think one alternative could be okay, it, when you do put up the armor, when you do put up the emotional shield and put the vulnerable side of yourself away, you need to be ready to pick the vulnerable back up and deal with that and talk to people and deal with those emotions. It's not like you, it's not like you can put it away and then come back and everything will be normal, especially if it's a very traumatic experience. Right, I think that's for sure true, but the trick on that is you can't deal with it until you have the safe support of resources to deal with it. Yeah. And if you're living in a boarding school in India, you, you don't got, have, you have those. none of that. Yeah. Or yeah. or developmentally you're fucking 8 or 11. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, so let me just give you a, an example or two of like I, I remember the day that Seriousing broke. And Seriousing in in my school in GNFC was hard. Right, like he legit was, was a uniquely hard individual, and and one day they had this public beating of him where it was in the gymnasium and the entire school was around. I was up top, on this like looking through a grating, like looking. I was above looking down into the into the thing, and they were just whipping his hands over and over and over and over. I, for whatever bullshit crime, right. And I just remember watching this, and it was so fucking unbearable to be witness to this, right? Like, Seriously Thing was cool, man. He, I really, I like had a really unique bond with him, um, and and just because like he would he would often protect me from things that were too hard, right? And so that was like a very soft thing for me. But then when I watched them like whip his hands until he cried. Like that was so weird to see him break down and actually cry. But they weren't gonna stop until that fucking happened. I mean, it was brutal, right? And it's like sometimes the um, like be being witness to that, um, watching that fracture happen was worse than anything for me. Like, mm -hmm. like, cause I had my own things going on. 
and and I like had a way that I was I was I was just managing my emotions. But there was there was something about the like I was weird as a kid. I just felt totally connected to everyone, and so when people around me would get like unnecessarily beaten or or destroyed, and and I couldn't do anything about it. It was really like like that later on in life that left me with more questions than anything else. It, I, I don't know what I feel I feel weird talking about this because like that thing with Searsing was bad, but it wasn't nearly as bad as a time I was doing legs up hands down um, before dinner and these big kids were running up and kicking this kid in the stomach while he was doing it, right? Mm. And he was just like, oh, rolling on the ground and they were like making him get up. He was right next to me, right? And so I'm sitting there holding my pose. And, and at the time I was sick. I had like pneumonia again. And I'm like sick there. And you're wondering, am I next? It, well, no, the, the strangest thing was- Were you shitting was, yourself? No, the strangest thing was I was contemplating telling them to stop and to kick me. Mm -hmm. And then here's where I fucking tweaked mentally is I couldn't do it. Mm. I couldn't do it. And it just like, it did not match with this sense of, of who I thought I was. Right. Mm. I, I thought I was like brave and willing to step in there and protect people. And this is a kid I, yeah, I didn't even know some Indian kid. And, and, and at that point, like I just deemed myself a fucking coward, mm. you know, and that was, that's it, dude. It's hard for me. Um, it's hard. It's that's it. That, that shit just bothers me more than, um, because uh, it, it's like that. That what is that? Like, like I felt this. This this fits into the conversation of vulnerability and like what we think is brave, and. And in that moment, it was like, I, I knew I couldn't, I couldn't take the beating, right? But I, I, I felt that I had to, I, and I couldn't do. Like, that's a, that's a stupid story. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story, dude. The things, I, the, there's a pattern with you, Porn, is the things that really hit you in the emotional place is when you feel like you failed to help someone else who's weaker. That really gets you. Yeah, it's um, weird. Yeah, and so something, when you were a kid at those schools, you kind of identified some sort of like, oh, I gotta help the other kid, or I gotta help the little guy. That was some important uh, source, I think, for of your warrior thing. And, and then when you felt like you failed doing that, it was really crushing for you. Yeah, it, it's weird. I, and I, I suppose this is gonna be a, a lifelong thing for me to figure out like, what is it like, like, what is a truly mature stance to be in support of someone? Because obviously the biggest dilemma of this whole story is like, no one came and, and stopped it, right? Like, no one came and fixed it in the way that, like, our society today has tons of things that everyone would like to be different, and no one's coming to fix it. There's a lot yeah. of people posturing as if they're, they're really going to do something about it. And, it, and I don't know what, 
Yeah. What and my we... theory is my theory is that when you were really little, eight, nine, you were there, you didn't have anyone, and no one came to help you, and that fucked you up. And so then as you got a little older, you started to be like, all right, well, I'll be there to help the little guy. And that probably was a source of um, somewhat of justice or goodness in the world for you. I'll be there to help God. And then the times when you feel like you didn't do it, it was this existential like, oh, fuck, there is no one there to help the little guy. And that was fucking devastating for you. And then now let me connect this back to what we were talking about with Gurhar. My theory, and again, I don't know, is that when there's no one there to help, I think a thing that humans maybe need to do is go in and identify with the warrior and be like, fuck it, I don't need help, I'm a rock, I'm a fucking warrior, I can take anything. And, and like that's the last thing, when, when shit's really bad, that's the last thing we hold on to. And that if your hands slip off of that, there, I think there's a fear that you'll just slip deep into fucking dark, powerless, victim, shitty place and no one wants to end up there. Well, Gerhard, would you in any way agree with what Dave is saying? Yeah, I, I think it, those moments where we, so I think we had no control and we saw all this shit happening around us and, you know, like the, we had, there was definitely like a, a moral code that emerges about sticking up for your peers. Um, yeah. And that, and any time that you can't live up to uh, whatever it is that you think, whatever it is that gives you some sense of control, like maybe for you, you know, being able to stick up for your peers or help other people out. Um, for, for me, you know, being able to have control over my emotions, being able to turn them on and off and being able to be tough and withstand stuff. Like anytime that slips, it's like, it's, it, it's like a, it's something that just shakes up your life. Um, is what it feels like. It's, it just totally, it's, it's jarring. Um, mm -hmm. And, and what you were talking about was really interesting. Like watching your buddies go through stuff is a really crazy experience too, because it's like, uh, you might have turned off your, the part of your emotional makeup that feels bad for yourself, but you haven't for your buddy when they're getting beaten up. And, uh, there's, there's, you know, elements of like feeling survivor guilt for seeing somebody take a really bad beating. Yeah. Um, or, or just like, like I, I remember watching, I, I, you know, I had to turn my emotions off when I was getting beat up. If I get too angry and say something, I could be in a lot of trouble. And I could be, you know, when, when you're 12 years old and you're getting beat up, beat up by a 17, 18 year old, that's fucking scary because this guy has, you know, man strength. He could, you know, knock some teeth out, really fucking hurt you. Um, and I remember uh, one time seeing another buddy get beat up and really fucked with. Like, it wasn't just a beating. It was, like, mocking and humiliating at the same time. That, that was worse. I almost, like... You know, give me a good punch in the stomach where my wind gets knocked out of me, and, but don't say any shit to me after where, like, you're a yeah. little pussy. And, and yeah. um, 
because there's this element of like, not only am I going to hurt you, but I'm going to make you feel really small. I'm going to psychologically try and damage you. But, um, you know, I remember seeing a buddy getting fucked with like that. And there was a uh, baseball bat in the corner of the room. And it took me so much restraint not to pick it up and hit the kid in the back of the head. Like, I, re- I remember, like, uh, and, and fantasizing about being able to do that for days. And then the feeling of, if I do that, uh, just what could happen to me? Like, like I could, you know, his, the, other, the kid's older buddies are going to jump in and kick the shit out of me. And we're all going to be in a worse situation. Um, or, you know putting a kid in the hospital or whatever. But but that stuff really sticks with you in an interesting way too because it's like you've turned off... I mean, this is just kind of my theory and my experience. You, you've turned off a lot of feeling sorry for yourself, a lot of being able to experience your own emotional state while going through this crazy stuff. But when you see a friend going through it, it's like yeah. that, that might be the only time you actually feel something. Totally. Yeah, oh, that's man. interesting. Hey, I got to um, duck out because I got an appointment here. So let me just say goodbye. But let me say, Gerhard, thank you so much for joining us because I, when you share your stories and perspectives, I benefit, I learn, our viewers benefit and learn. So thanks a lot. I really appreciated uh, you coming on. Well, thank awesome. you, Dave. It was great meeting you. All great right. talking to you. Really appreciate you it. You guys keep it up. Take care. Yeah, Take care. Later, man.